Thor Ackerlin, and welcome to Video Game Bullshit. This is Master Daniel Piscina. Get over here to Video Game Bullshit. This is Jeffrey Wittenhagen. I'm an author of multiple gaming books, including collector's guides for both the Nintendo and Super Nintendo. I'm a huge fan of action RPGs like The Legend of Zelda and obscure systems like the Neo Geo and TurboGrafx-16. And we've got God. Hey, hey. I'm big into uh, No Death Runs, High Score Runs, uh, collector of all things vintage and retro. Uh, pretty much anything video game related. Also collect figures, vinyl, VHS, tap handles, old beer signs, and old beer steins. Please call our number, leave a voicemail or a text message at 262-264-BGBS. Yes, episode 75, the big finale. So we've covered the first Zelda, and we've covered Breath of the Wild, so... It's uh, it's time to do this one some justice. Yeah, and it's like you can tell how good of a game is is when I um when I post what we're doing for the the newest recording and people are chiming in. Like I just put down, is it the best game of all time? And like literally, like everybody's chiming in and saying, um, and and everybody has to mention Breath of the Wild in their comments, but. Some people are like, it is for me. Yes, there's nothing else close. The other people are like, yes, in my opinion. However, I haven't played Breath of the Wild yet. Another person, I haven't played Breath of the Wild, so yes. Another guy goes, not anymore, LOL. <laughs> so that just shows you how like epic of a game Breath of the Wild is, that it's already changing people's opinions. And that was my response to him was, is that while Breath of the Wild is undoubtedly a masterpiece... It hasn't had enough time to truly take the throne yet for me. Because that's the thing. Like, for me, it has to stand the test of time with it. And Link to the Past has undoubtedly stood the test of the time. Yeah, it was perfect then, and it's perfect now. It's an A-plus then, it's an A-plus today. In, in case, you know, somebody who's listening to this podcast probably knows about Legends of Link to the Past, but in case you live under a rock... Um, <laughs> The Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past, released on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, the producer was the legendary Shigeru Miyamoto. Director, Takashi Tezuka. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the, the composer is Koji Kondo, the, the classic composer for Legend of Zelda. It was actually released not only on the Super Nintendo, but also on the Game Boy Advance as a re-release. Of course, in the Game Boy Advance one, they put the yeah, 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 as he said. Ugh, why, why, why? Oh. <laughs> there was a six-month wait between releases. So um, it was released November of 91 in Japan, and then April of 92 in North America, and September of 92 in Europe. So there's like little like pauses for releases. And the irony was is in Game Boy Advance, it was released in North America first, then Japan later. <laughs> <laughs> like, how times have changed. That is crazy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Differences. Um, I'm not going to lay the wallpaper on what the game is, because obviously we, we already know. Um, besides for talking about um, the game itself, or also I would like to 
dig into some of the lore, comics, some of the spin-offs for the Super Nintendo, as well as the pseudo sequel. So that'll be some kind of stuff that we'll we'll cover during this. Besides for our in-depth run through and memories of the game. It's gonna get explosive, <laughs> folks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All night long. All night. <laughs> <laughs> so, an interesting aspect is the um the where it places in the Legend of Zelda timeline is always a weird one too. Mm-hmm. Because it's a link to the past. This didn't Ocarina of Time like fucked up everything. Yeah, and there's like three. It splits it into three timelines. <laughs> so it's like this one. This one's in the classic series timeline with Zelda, Zelda Two, and Zelda Three. That's how much you can look into it, though. That's part of the fun. The, the irony is, is that like in hindsight, after the book was released, which was Hyrule Historia, that that established it was. And it was, you know, officially licensed by Nintendo. Uh, after that, Miyamoto's came back and said that he kind of um, doesn't agree with the timeline now. Well, that's the thing when you make so many games, it's almost like it. You have to. It's like the Friday Thirteenth films as well. He said there is no timeline for this. Yeah, I mean, it's like you can't tie them together unless you force the puzzle piece. He said he's more interested in making good stories than trying to piece it all together. Just us as, you know, obsessive, compulsive gamers and people who love this stuff, like whether that be Friday 13th or Zelda or anything, we, we want it all to work together. So You want to tie it into some kind of bow. And that's part, <laughs> part of the creativity aspect, too. Yeah, you want to tie it into a bow, it ends up being a knot sometimes. <laughs> that's <a> th- <laughs> <laughs> That's what's cool about Ocarina of Time, because it, it opens up the the gate for like so many theories and shit yeah for sure <laughs> yeah dude i think i think one day we're gonna have to have to cover orcarina and how the graphics are just of the 64 disappointing nowadays <laughs> i don't see 64 ever like becoming a stalwart i could be wrong i just don't see it <sighs> No, I I really think that it's it's an artistic aspect why we we go back to the retro games and there's just something lost in that generation because of the um, limitations of technology and them wanting to progress. That that's why I like Link to the Past is like the epitome of how we wanted a Zelda game to look because it's so beautiful. I mean, there was just so, some games that I played for 64 that I remember. I just felt like little baby games, like Quest 64. It's like a RPG, like babies game. Yeah. There's like that Yoshi side scroller. What was that called? I think it's just called Yoshi's Story. That one's like a little baby game. It's just kind of like it felt like juvenile at some points. Like man, when I used to play the NES, I f- you feel like an like an adult because that shit's like so fucking hard and so crude. The GameCube too. I kind of got that little feeling of it's just catering to like younger kids instead of being a brutal like nes game you know for the sake of just being brutal (laughs) yeah i I think it was one of those things where like we were allowed to use our imagination more with the nes era then super nintendo started to introduce stories but we were in the freaking 90s ecw era beginnings and like all that brutality. Even like Donkey Kong sixty four just felt like oh, a little like childish. It just felt like it was made for like five year olds or something. <laughs> yeah, and then like all the the games that were 
for the older audience went to PlayStation back in that generation. And there are some exceptions on the 64, but it's few and far between. Yeah, they made it like easier. The game just became easier as a whole. I mean, until we get to the point where we are now, where it's literally like we're waiting on... (laughs) Like, tutorials to be able to start playing the game. It's like, ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you take the NES, like, your Deadly Towers. Yeah, it's shit that... <laughs> your Goonies, too. Like, that's just... they. Not even an adult can figure out how to beat some of the games unless they just sit there and try every combination. Well, Goonies, too, is that crazy dichotomy where it's, like, double layered maps. Like, <laughs> oh, you draw, like, one side of the map and then the other side of the map fucking ridiculous yeah i mean it's not definitely not impossible but you know because because daria you know she used to beat that as a kid but still it's just not like <laughs> simple like banjo kazooie or something i don't know yeah well it's and, just and banjo kazooie is like a collectathon style game which is crazy yeah so is donkey kong 64 yeah and then the new game um 2017 ukulele which is tribute from the people who made banjo Kazooie, but it's on newer consoles. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about people. I'm saying this, people are like, I I love that game. Fuck you, but I don't know. It's just my, how I see it. I th- I think that like the generation behind us, the the younger, you know, the people that are a little bit younger than us, were a little younger in that era, so they have the nostalgic memories. By the time we hit the 64, we were in high school. So like we literally wanted we wanted to play Doom. We wanted to blow shit up. We wanted to you know, we wanted to play some violent games and the games that we played on 64 that we had the most enjoyment out of were like the NBA Hangtime or Blast Core or GoldenEye where you're killing each other. It was like with GoldenEye if you want to do like the hardest difficulty, that shit's really hard. Especially like the train level, super hard to get the the right, you know, the timing of it and all. And and that's where the 64 succeeded. And you know what's amazing? Hmm. We got way the fuck off track on Link to the Past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it. We gotta go back. I love it. Paddle back to shore. I love it. I love it. Back to shore. Swimming. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't gotten the Zora fins yet. <laughs> it's like you like look in the... And just way out in the middle of nowhere in the sea. Somehow we're talking about the dichotomy of the 64. It's Where's weird. the island? I can't see it. I'm lost. I'm lost at sea. <laughs> so. Uh, oh. 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 <laughs> so, my own Zelda Link to the Past story. Um, I've told the story on previous episodes, so listen to it, please, listeners. You go ahead and listen to some other episodes. You may have heard it. But I got my Super Nintendo much later. Um, got it with the Mario World Mario All Stars pack. But so so that means by that that time it was around ninety four ninety five. You know you're a year or two out from the sixty four coming out. I literally um, Zelda was already out for for years at that point. Um, ninety two is when Zelda was released, so it was already out for a long time. So I've already played the game. But now it's time for me to get it, and I got it used. Um, I think that it was a Funko Land purchase, but it, it could have been like a, a yard sale thing. But I, I'm pretty sure by this time, 
I started to go to Funkoland. And the Funkoland I went out to was the one that was over by the mall in in uh, Merrillville, mm. over by South Lake Mall. Okay. Um, it was across the street. It's kind of where the Toys R Us area is, but it was like closer to the mall and it was in like the, a little shopping center. It, there's no longer any game store in that area, in, the, in that place. Um, that's the classic place where I got the last copy of uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 as well in the future. But <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's where I got my used copy of, of a few games that I picked up. Um, but that was one of them that it was like, yep, I, I need to get Zelda Link to the Past. Hell yeah. Picked that fucker up and, you know, obviously used. Um, I'm pretty sure that one of the save files was like maxed out hearts. <laughs> the, the on there. That's really cool. And it was like some random ass like Josh name or something that was like on there. And I, I literally left it on there, like the the name on there for years. Like I never erased it. Um, it'd be interesting to check my copy because I saw the same copy and see if uh see if that name's still on there. Yeah, see if Joshua Tree's still there hanging out. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the whole Funkoland thing. That's where I got my Zelda. I got it with. SNES Game Genie, Link to the Past, Funkoland, and then on the way home. This was for my birthday. This is like my present, basically. My dad would just take me out and be like, well, let's get a game or something. And then if, if he could get carried away while we were out, then it would just be better for everyone, you know? So <laughs> He's like, he's like, have one of everything, Kyle. <laughs> I think w- when we got there, he noticed the Game Genie. He's like, oh, don't you have, a, you have one of those for the... The Nintendo, ooh, this is cool, we should get this too. So, I originally wanted Link to the Past, but I was like, I can't describe how excited I was, because it's, like, indescribable. Like, I can't even, like, put it into words. It was just one of those things that was, like, I couldn't believe. It was, like, one of the times in my life where, one of those times in your life where you just can't believe it's, like, happening. Yeah, because, like, you had those positive experiences, too, with, like, the original Legend of Zelda and the Gold Carter's story, and like, whereas I came off of that terrible fucking experience of playing Legend of Zelda as a rental, and then the game fucking resetting on me. So like, like, but we all knew Link to the Past was something special. Yeah, because when I got the first Zelda, a KB, which I have that story in the our our Zelda podcast. Um, oh, yeah. When I got that Zelda, I didn't know how awesome it was. It was like, I just got really lucky. It's a lucky guess. So this one, the best thing I can compare it to is driving home with Mario 3 from Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. That was the same feeling. Because you knew the shit was like, boss. And, you know, it's like the longest ride home of all time when you get a game like that. Oh, and that's the part that I remember most is like the anticipation, which I would learn later in life that that's like what everything's about. It's funny, like, oh, I can't wait till we go to the cottage or this or that, and then we go to the cottage, and the one buddy's complaining, like, how hot he is or whatever. And then looking back, the same dude's like, oh, that was so fun. Like, dude, you complained the whole time. So it's funny, there's the anticipation and the memory, but sometimes actual, like, happening is not such a good time. That part's just, like, conveniently forgotten by certain people. Everybody glosses over the bad stuff, usually. Yeah, it's funny. But, like, when Dad was driving home, we stopped at Video Game Emporium, 
which was like almost, I don't know, halfway home from Funkaland. So Funkaland was like on Indianapolis Boulevard, 41. Mm-hmm. Emporium was on like 45th. We found the, we just went there for shits and we found the uh, strategy guide. It was kind of beat up, so it was only like 12 or 13 bucks or something like that, but. Nice. None of the pages were missing or anything. It was just used and read through. So that ended up being like kind of the cherry on top. Well, getting that guide is excellent, even though, like, in all reality, you don't need it because the game is so well, like, it's told very well. So, yeah, that night was, like, the greatest night, of, one of the greatest nights of my life. If, if not, I think that was the greatest night because I just had so much ahead of me to, like, to be excited about. So I played through, I got the Master Sword on the first night. Which is crazy. So that was, like, where I stopped. So I I beat all the palaces and all that, but I did all that the first night. That was so crazy. So I must have played till like one or two a.m. You know. Yeah. So that was my first like losing my virginity to link to the past. <laughs> <laughs> Getting fucked. That was a good one. <laughs> and then from there, I would say then I got as I mentioned before, I got stuck. Once you got the master sword, went back to Hyrule Castle. I actually got stuck the part before Agnim. I didn't realize you had to like cut the curtains yeah. to walk through it. So I played it like two or three times, and I would just get stuck in that room, and I would be like, okay, like, is something supposed to happen? Maybe I missed something, or maybe there's a glitch. So then I finally figured out that you can swipe the, the curtains, and that was the first place that I got stuck. So that's funny. It's just such a little common sense thing, too. It's just hilarious. So, like, a, a crazy aspect of everything is that of course, I played Link to the Past before I owned it. Uh-huh. And I played it over at the Pearsons, which was the classic kids that had every game. Kind of like your Dobbins, who had every game. Yes. <laughs> and so I would go over there, but they were... By the time I went there, you know, I'm already past that first day that they owned it. So, like, we were in the dark world running around doing stuff and flipping between dark and light. So I would see, like, little glimpses of the future when I would play the game or get to watch them play the game. And that's the thing, too, is that, like, if memory serves me correctly, like, who knows how much I was actually playing or if I was just watching them play. You know what I mean? Yeah, probably a lot of the latter. Probably a lot of watching them play. Probably (laughs) little, little, like, shithead freaking kids that were spoiled and just didn't want to share. (laughs) Yeah, and there's the aspect of them just getting wrapped up in it, like, with the Dobbins. I mean, they would just get wrapped up in their game that they were playing. Exactly. It was just cool, almost, just to sit there and watch. I was just wanting to know what was out there. Yeah. So we didn't have a resource. I just remember when I finally got to play the game, like, I literally spent, like, a day or two even just going around and learning the whole Light World Hyrule map, just, like, Every crevice, trying to find every little thing I possibly could. Every time I would get something new, I would see like what would unlock. So it was one of those things where you know I always learned in RPGs when you beat a boss, go talk to everybody again because the text might change. Well, I was doing that in Link, so I would see stuff and like, oh, can't access that yet. So then when I would get a new power up, I would go try to find out what it would unlock or what I could do with it. So I just like I literally ingested this game like dungeon by dungeon it was crazy 
<laughs> like, I've never did that with a game before this. Yeah, it was, like, so engrossing. Totally. Yeah, I thought the first puzzle that I thought was really cool and showed you a lot how the game kind of leads you along in a way. It's intuitive. A perfect example is uh, when you get the flippers. So you, you can't swim yet, obviously, because you don't have the flippers. So there's, like, a shallow pools that you can walk through. So eventually it's, like, it's kind of common sense. Like, okay, so I can't swim, but they're they're leading me somewhere. There's these shallow waters that I can go through, and they keep going. That's the game's intuitive way of saying, this is where you need to go. Just keep going, and it, it kind of leads you along. Then you get the the flippers eventually. But then once you have the flippers, even like going behind the waterfall is intuitive. Like everyone figured that out. It's just kind of because you went behind the waterfall in the first Zelda too. There's that lady. If you pay her, she like gives you like hints. Right below where you get the white sword. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of already had that in your head. Walk behind the waterfall, whatever he says. The old man says in the first Zelda. So that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's either a tribute to the the first game or, as you were saying, plus you have the dichotomy of schoolyard banter and talking with friends and, hey, did you see under the waterfall that you can get the ferry? And, like, oh, you didn't get that? Like, you can throw all your items and upgrade stuff. Like, <laughs> and that's, that's what's cool. So you can upgrade not only your shield, but you can fill up, like, empty jars. Yep. And the boomerang becomes the magical boomerang. Yes, magical boomerang. Can't forget about that. For sure. The fairy gives you um, magic, like a magic refill. Are those the only three things that you can do in that first waterfall? I think so. I think so. You tried everything, though. You threw everything in there just because... She yelled at you? Yeah, you just wanted to see what would happen. They also had the upgrades where there's, like, the main fairy fountain like hive <laughs> which is in lake hilia and it's like the big island in the middle and there's a cave in there and if you throw coins you might as well just throw the max amount and so basically the strategy is if you go before the desert palace there's mm-hmm. a spot where you lift up a rock and you go inside and you can get basically infinite coins because you just go back out and you go back in again. Oh, yeah. I, I got a story for that. <laughs> and so that's what I would say. Go there, get all the coins, and then just max out on your the arrows and the bombs like right away. Because you might as well just max out. Now, you have to go there after the desert. Um, or not after, you don't have to beat the boss, but after you get the power glove, because it's so bad. Yeah, because you have to lift up the, the rock, rock where the guy's hidden under. Yep. And, um, basically, yeah, then you just go to the Lake Hilia, like the fairy, um, hive. You just keep throwing money in there, and then she'll ask you, like, eventually, what do you want? And you just say bombs or arrows. That's, like, my first power-up hint. Like, do that as soon as you can. So, like Jeff said, af- after you beat the, the Desert Palace. So, so I, got a, I got a story for the, the rock. Yes. <laughs> so one rock, and I got a fucking story for it. It's great. I love it. So, when I was in Florida, I ended up doing going to this convention. It's called Chibi Pa. And it was this anime convention that I would go with a bunch of, of friends. And they let me do a retro gaming tournament there. Um, I did this, 
I call it the Master of Video Games, where I did Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo and Legend of Zelda Link to the Past. And it was most rupees, and I think I gave them two minutes. So people were literally running around trying to get the most rupees, and they're timing them and all that. One guy knew Kyle's technique, and he literally went right to that spot and started farming, and he was able to max out his rupees in less than two minutes to 999. Oh, and yeah. It was funny because once he did that, everybody else started copying him in the tournament. Yeah. So, like, I was doing it for fun, so I didn't charge anybody, but, like, literally that's what people started to do because it was free. They just all started copying him and trying to beat his time at that point. The advantage of playing last, right? Yeah, it was hilarious. And so the um, the winner of that got a gold Legend of Zelda cartridge. But the irony was I took the top three, and then they played the Nintendo Campus Challenge on the Super Nintendo for the finals. So the guy who figured it out, who had the technique, didn't even win the final prize. <laughs> yeah, he just had that one game down. Yeah. And so like he didn't have the, the Campus Challenge. And, of course, the Nintendo World Championships is what the... Uh, actually... Yeah, I think it was Nintendo World Championships that I had them play in the for the Nintendo version as well. But yeah, it was pretty cool though. I had a a tournament based on fucking Zelda: Link to the Past, and they got a gold Zelda cartridge, and I made a second copy of the cartridge, so I have a gold one. And how like everything evolves to like when people get better just by watching, and how fast that becomes like a thing, you know? Just that's really cool. Yeah, and it it happened really quick where the. The guy came over and figured it out, and like I, I do still have my one copy of Zelda: Link to the Past gold colored from the tournament, so I got it from the story. Yeah, I always call those those are like the true pioneers. It's like Magic: The Gathering too. People that come up with these decks that you would never like ever figure out in a million years, but then when you see it, it's like oh. Oh, okay, that makes sense. But to, to to find the secret to figure it out is a whole nother like aspect. You either have to find it in a book or just figure it out on your own. This one's pretty obvious. The way that I look at games and when I do like a homework, I always try to say like the the drop rate or the respawn rate. So everything respawns when you leave the screen in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you go back, it will drop the same thing that it dropped, unless it's like chests. So once you open a chest, that's open forever. Like that's gone. You can never open a single chest twice. Unless it's in the chess store. <laughs> the the little chess game that you can play. <laughs> the quirky music's so fun in this game, too. Going insane, like moving the head around. Like, like fucking convulsing and <laughs> spasm. Like, ah! <laughs> you can really abuse that respawn rate, though. So... The the irony was is as a kid, I didn't think about the respawn rate and in going into that cave back and forth. I literally would just go to the chest game and play it and reset the game and reload every time until I maxed out. Also in Hyrule Castle, like the first time that, that you're running through it, you don't have bombs or the dash. But you'll notice when you're in the basement section with uh, Zelda, there's like little spots that you could bomb. Now, the interesting thing that I want to mention with this 
is that those aren't just cracks, but they have the door outline in the crack. Mm -hmm. Those you can actually use the Pegasus boots, and you don't have to use the bomb. The ones with just the crack in the wall, use the bomb on those. The other cool thing with those, if you hold attack with your sword next to the wall, you'll actually hit the wall with the tip of your sword, and you'll you can tell if it's hollow or not. Absolutely. That's cool, too. Just little, like, tidbits. But if you go in that castle, you go back to it, but the way that I would say, just fall down in the graveyard. If you fall down one of the um, gravestones... Yeah, you run into them, and one of them's a hole, I think. Yeah, you fall back down there, and then you can get into that room once you have the boots or some bombs. But, yeah, there's, like, a bunch of rupees in there. There's, like, 300 in there. So if you want to get real quick money... For Zora's flippers, those are kind of expensive. But yeah, and then I guess, so you want to start from the beginning of just everything? Sure. So basically, like, Link gets a telepathic message from Zelda. Your uncle knows to go. He's, like, going to the castle. How I always thought is that the uncle was part of whatever and was just going on a mission to save Zelda. Because he's an adult and he's part of some revolution, or you know what I mean? Like, he's part of something. The adults in town, they probably all know what's going down. But the funny thing is, is that, like, in the end, it's like, oh, wait, now he's, like, the only one who's there. <laughs> he's the only one who went. <laughs> in the town, everybody, like, wants to report Link to the freaking bad guys. It's like, <laughs> everybody's an asshole. <laughs> Guess the other thing, they're all, like, brainwashed scared. Yeah. It's like the Empire, and there's like the Rebellion. This is the one thing about this game is like it's the least populated like town of all time. <laughs> <laughs> there's like six people. <laughs> yeah, like the running kid, the old lady turned into her into a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like most of them have like a little use. The other big thing about Kakariko Village is the uh, you buy the jar for a hundred. Yeah. There's a few heart pieces, actually, like, around that area. And going to the back of the bar to get another bottle. Yeah, yeah, so there's two bottles right in the beginning. Well, and then there's the other aspect where if you have a bomb, you go to the bottom left corner, and there's that spot that you can you can bomb the little shack where there's really not a crack, and then it opens up. With the rats running around inside? Yeah, and it's like the infinite bomb uh, bomb place where you can continually have bombs for the rest of your life. Yep. See, that's what we're going to try to do is mention all the little, like, awesome secrets. Yeah. I could go into all the heart pieces. I almost think just you might want to just look those up online. <laughs> yeah, because... I'm going to miss one or two, so... <laughs> yeah, it's... It's like... <laughs> I always miss one or two when I go through my blind playthrough or I don't use any kind of guide or anything. I always miss one or two, and then I'll find it eventually, but it's like... The hardest one, I can say, is in Turtle Rock. When you get the mirror shield, you actually have to use the mirror to go to the light world. Mm-hmm. Unless there's some other way to do it, then just let me know. <laughs> but I don't think so. I think you do have to, like, walk through the Turtle Rock. Yeah, because there's no other um, place that you can get onto that ledge in the light world from above. Not that I know of. Yeah, not that we know of. That's, I think that's, like, the crazy one, though. Yeah. Like, it would be super hard to figure out. Because you just don't think about that when you're you're just like, yeah, the mirror shield, you know? <laughs> the, the one I always 
What was the one I always forget about? That there's like one over by the um the graveyard that's on a ledge that I always forget to go back to because like you go there early on and then I just never go back. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's behind the graveyard. Yeah, and you have to like use the mirror as well. You you go up there in the dark world, then you change the mirror, I think, and then you can go inside. Something like that. The the one that I always had trouble in was the game with the shovel. I could, like, never hit that. Oh. I think I was watching Mike Matei play it, too. He had the most trouble with that as well. Like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> it just takes forever to get it for me. It's, it's always random. So the way that programming is, it could be in any one of those holes. So there's, like, a set amount of objects. Let's just say, like, 20 rupees of different types. I have no clue. And... A heart piece. So those are all just like completely random, and every single time you go, that's why it could take like up to an hour to get it. Jeez. Because <laughs> you, if you just don't hit it, like where the flutes always in the same place, you know, like the, the top left of the grove. Yeah. So yeah, that was always a pain in the ass. <laughs> that one stands out. <laughs> Definitely a pain in the butt. A uh, heart piece right there. <laughs> Yeah, but I didn't think it was that hard to figure out what to do. Like, Daria had some issues. Like, she didn't know, like, where to go. But it's kind of like you just go to the town and you talk to, you know, the six people that are there. Well, I mean, they tell you to go to the town and talk to the, you know, Saharashrala, Sarahachach. Like, the priest tells you to do that. And when you go into the first freaking house that's in town, the, his wife's there and says, oh, he left town. And then you just go around town and talk to people. Like, that's general knowledge. But, I mean, it's, especially from her perspective, who plays RPGs all the time. Like, it's really, like, linear, actually. It's, it's, um, the whole light world is linear. You can't yeah. get to the other two places until you have the tools that you get from each dungeon. What do you get in the first dungeon? Bow. The bow. So that's like the classic, like the first Zelda, which is cool. Yep, you get your bow and arrow. So then, by the end of the first dungeon, because you get the boomerang at the very beginning of the game. In the Hyrule Castle part. You have the boomerang, the bombs, the arrows, and then you get your first new item, which is the Pegasus Boots. Yes, that's like one of the best items because it just speeds up everything. And in the first dungeon, you fight the Triceratops, correct? The Armos, um, big Armos guys. The Armos Knights. Yeah, the like dinosaur-looking Resnor type guys, exactly. Yep, the little six guys. Resnor family tree. <laughs> yeah, they're really simple. Yeah, and you you destroy. Destroy them because they all kind of just like line up and wait for you to kill them. And then once you get down to the last one, he hones in on you. But if you just swing your sword when he comes at you, he falls back. So it's like at this point, we never even get hit. But <laughs> they're a pushover. The main enemy is during the dungeon. You have the Cyclops guys, the green ones you can hit with the sword, and the red ones you have to use the arrows. Yeah, see, when you say Cyclops, I think of, like, the Dark World bomb Cyclops guys. Oh, then you have those guys, too. But, like, these guys I always thought were, like, little aliens. I don't know why. They're, like, statue dudes, too. They, like, stand still. Like little aliens. Freaking Cyclops. Statue world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then as far as the first, 
during the prelude in the Hyrule Castle, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, mm-hmm. there's only so much, so many places you can go. What I'd recommend when you um, go to save Zelda the first time to take out the dude with the ball and chain, just use the pottery that's in that's in one of the cells. Oh yeah, you definitely got to throw the pots. Yeah, definitely got to throw the pots to to kill him because it takes like a couple of hits instead of going at him with the sword. And then you just go through the uh, the like under part of the castle and get your first heart in the sanctuary. Which is funny, is right before you get to the sanctuary because like she says. When you're in the castle, she says, push it from the left. She says, push the thing from the left. So you go to the left with her and you push the the painting of the sword over so you can get behind it and go to the underground. But like right before you, you go through the whole underground, right before you get to the church, she says, pull the switch over there. Yes, over there. And so do you go left or do you go right? And I think the first time I played it, I went left. And of course, and it goes... <laughs> the bombs come down. There's bombs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, over there, it's classic. It almost seems to be like a shirt or something. like. Because the last time she gave you instruction, you pushed from the left. But now there's two switches, so it's like... And now there's two, and... I mean, there, you could have pushed from either side, but she told you it's from the left. So now it's like, oh, you just go over there. So, oh, go left again. Oh, no. The vagueness of females. <laughs> it's funny. You tricked me, Miyamoto, you asshole. Oh, that's funny shit. <laughs> and then, as far as the Eastern Palace, there's like a little, little skeleton um, Stelphos, except there's later Stelphos that are like have the armor in like level 5 in the Dark World. But um, yeah, you fight like little skeleton guys in the Eastern Palace as well. Pretty straightforward, though. Nothing too hard. And then you, you get your Pegasus boots, which I pretty much use on every single screen from that point on, you know? Just to, like, speed up the process of getting to the other side of the screen. I just, like, dash everywhere I go, pretty much. Well, absolutely. At that point. I mean, it's the only way to fly, right? <laughs> it's the only way to go, and it's like we're literally always running around. And then from there we have the first non-linear level, kind of, in a way, is the, the Desert Palace. I mean, there's still only one way to go eventually. But there's actually two sections of the Desert Palace. Yeah. Well, and you also had to, before you got to the Desert Palace, had to go get the, the Book of Medora, which you had to use the Pegasus boots in a library to knock a book off a shelf. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the first, like, puzzles that you need to figure out. And you you literally can't get in the Desert Palace till you read the inscriptions. So it unlocks the palace, so... That's, like, where the game becomes linear, because, like, you could go to the Desert Palace if you could get there, but you, you can't get in. Yeah, so you know that you need something else. And it, it also makes you, like, search every single, like, building eventually. Oh, yeah. Which makes you familiar with the whole game, which is, like, one of the secrets, too. So now, like, every single piece of this game is, like, nostalgic. Well, yeah, because you, like, literally had to go into every building at one at some point yeah i mean they even add like a little meaning to, like the uh the one of the hearts you have to like bomb through one of the brothers <laughs> there's like twin brothers and they're like fighting and they seal the door off between their rooms yeah so you like unseal the door and it's just kind of like at the end of the game it's like oh the brothers are you know back together again so just little stuff even that they tie in there they didn't have to do any of that no, it's, they, they went really deep with the story. 
Yeah, just little fun things, just little feel feel good things, you know. And then, so once you get to the desert palace, though, I always thought this level was really cool, man. I, I don't know, I always love this level. Desert palace had a unique aspect to it, and I mean, if you think back, like this might have been the first major change of pace we've seen in a Zelda game, like. In the original Legend of Zelda, there wasn't really anything like this. You go into the one portion, but you can't access the second portion until you get the item that's in the first portion. Power glove. And then you can pull up the stones. I've heard stories of people getting stuck, which is interesting because, like, there's only really one way to go. People didn't realize... That they had to, like, leave and go to the second part. <laughs> they thought that there was, like, something within the first part that they just weren't finding. So they're just searching forever. Yeah. So I can kind of see that, you know, a little bit. Yeah, it's just like, but if you know to explore, you know to go outside and then there's stones. What do you need for the stones? Oh, the item that I just got in this dungeon. So when you are traversing the desert to get to the palace. Mm-hmm. That's where I saw that there's a little heart piece on the ledge. Oh, yeah. So I actually just wanted to leave the palace just to get the heart piece. Yeah, exactly. So there was a reason. So they actually are, like, baiting you out, if you think about it that way. It's like, ooh, look at this over here, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, the carrot on the fucking stick mentality. and Yeah. I, I think this dungeon also had the only other time that they utilized an item on the top of a shelf where there was the key on the top that you dash and knock it off. I don't think they use that again in the game. Ooh, yeah, that is freaking rare. Because I think they, cause they did it with the Book of Medora. Right before that, yeah. <laughs> they did it with that key, and I don't recall them doing that again. That's a good um, observation. I never even thought about that. So weird, though, like... Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just, like, the little things, because, you know, I know people that just didn't know to do that either. Wow. Yeah, well, especially when you got the book, though. Yeah. You would think that, like, it's just kind of, like, rinse and repeat, but I guess not. See, it's some funny places people get stuck, like me and the curtain. It's hilarious. <laughs> the curtain. I got stuck in one other place coming up later, like, big time, like, days, and it's just so funny. Yeah, it's, as we go through, I probably will find a few. <laughs> Once you finish the deserts, you have to fight the land molas. What are they? Like, not caterpillars, but they're like ground moles that come up out of the ground, like ground caterpillars. Yeah, they're like almost like tremors or something. Yeah, they're called land molas, aren't they? Yeah, like the the movie Tremors. Like the, It's like um, ground worms. Yeah. But they can float above the ground. I don't think tremors couldn't float in the, in the films. And they shoot out like... In four directions when they come out, and then the final guy shoots out in eight directions. Yeah, and what I ended up doing eventually is just, I just charge up my sword and just let them run into it. Do a spin dash when they pop up? Yeah, just whipping around and they just run right into it. They're they're probably the easiest boss to me, because there's only three of them. Take them down real quick. The Armos are pretty, are pushovers too. They're both pushovers. Yeah, for sure. So then you get the next penance. So then now it's time for to go to Zora. Pay pay some money for some flips. Get you, get your flips on. Yeah, get those slippers going. Gotta get a little flip skis so you can 
finally swim. The other, the other thing is, is that, um, there's an obvious path to the right after you get the Zora flipper, the Zora fins, and you can go to the right and follow it down to a heart piece. Yeah, there's another one down like there. A little obvious one. And then you jump down and go get your little upgrades and. I always love that section it's, though. It's just like so fun for some reason. Little waterfalls. Another thing you can do at this point is you can actually take your first adventure into um, the Lost Woods, and you can find the the shroom. Go to Magic Shrooms and get your magic bag, and take and then take the shroom to the witch over by where the Zora Finn is, and you can uh, trade her for the 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 shroom for the magical pouch, which. It is hilarious because inside the um, the dungeons, there's these little like anti fairies, and when you hit them with some powder, they turn into a fairy. That's huge because I was watching the Mike Matei uh, live stream deal, and he was getting wasted by him. I'm like, dude, like, and also he was having some trouble with getting hurt in the dungeons, and it was like, if you know to do that, that's huge because then you just capture them all in your jar, and you're good. Infinite lives. Those guys are everywhere. Speaking of jars, like, there's still two more jars. Once you got the flippers, you can get the one in Lake Hylia. It's, like, above the fairy fountain part. Yeah, you just go up there, and you you can get it, like, right away. Nice. So then you'll have three bottles already. Yeah, and then the fourth one, that you have to wait till the Dark World. Yeah, they have to trigger an event in the Dark World. And there's there's a lot of those, like, as you progress in the game... It has to, like, trigger by you getting an item. Because I know once you go to where the swordsmiths are, if you go to that place in the dark world, that's where you find the treasure chest. You just you take that treasure chest down, and you talk to the guy in the light world. In the, de- in the desert who doesn't want you to talk to him. It, well, it's funny that you can take an object through the worlds and... I guess you can take your own items, too. I think that's one of the only times, though, where you actually, like, take an item through the worlds. Um, yeah, the only other time is when you take the actual smith, when he's a frog and he turns back into a person. Yeah, and that's, that's like, what should happen. Like, you turn into your form. Yeah. You turn into your, like, alternate alter ego in the dark world. Um, so that's how you get the fourth bottle. You talk to that guy in the desert. By the sign, don't talk to this man, or whatever. It's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you read the sign? The sign? (laughs) So yeah, so level three. So now you gotta go up to Death Mountain. Gotta go up Death Mountain, find the old man. Old man gives you a mirror. Mm -hmm. The mirror allows you to go back and forth from the light world to the dark world. And the old man's basically like a safe house now. You take him to this cave where he... He makes his new home, and if you go back there, he'll he'll restore your life. Yep. So it's just like a fairy, perma fairy. This is also the first time you get your taste of the dark world, and basically on top of Death Mountain, you uh you walk onto a little blue tile and get warped over, and you turn into a bunny rabbit. <laughs> so I think that's genius how they give you a taste first. Yeah, because. It's like you're not ready for it yet, because you don't have the moon pearl that you get. In the next dungeon. Yeah, that keeps your form. But that's like part of the brilliance, is like showing you the the whole thing, just a little snippet. Because you can still walk around the mountain, and people have glitched out some crazy shit. Well, and it's like before you get <laughs> to the Tower of Hera, if you go to the left, there's like a, 
a big old like statue, but I always thought it was like a a freaking um tombstone. But like basically you can read it and it says you have to hold up the master sword and it's like, Oh, so I get once I get the master sword, if I go here I can get something. Right. It's just like a massive tablet. So I always saw it as just a massive tablet. So it's a tombstone of death. That's what a tombstone is. It's just a big tablet with someone's life on it, you know, someone's dates. And then you you have to do the spectacle rock thing where you kind of can figure it out because there's an outline. It's kind of like where you have to go. I don't know. I, I, I figured that one out pretty quick. See, the irony was is as a growing up, I didn't get the the quip of spectacle rock as to like, like looking like glasses. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a spectacle. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. That was always my thought. And it wasn't until I watched uh, Game Center CX, I was like, oh, like spectacles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense now. Like, it's a pun. It's just, it looks like some glasses. But that makes sense, too. Because you would think it's just like epic rock. So yeah, Tower of Hera though, um, is is this the first time we have the switches? Yes, yeah, so the blue and the red treats. Which, comparatively to later Zelda games, these are really straightforward. Nothing too bad, yeah. Rarely have to switch them. Yeah, and the last level in Ganon's Tower, they, they kind of get a little complicated, but not compared to like hacks that have been made and stuff like that. Well, there's that too. That's insane. So, so this tower's um pretty easy, straightforward. Uh, once you get up all the way to the top, you got your the giant. Was it the mold worm? The mold worm. And what I think is cool is you can fall, so you can kind of see. There's like a little what lies below you. Not really, but there's just a little graphic for it. It just looks like stuff in the distance. So if you fall, you can fall down back the way that you came. And that's the thing with the Moldorm. If you get knocked off during the boss battle, then you have you have to go back up. And that's where you learn how things re- refresh or respawn. Because now the Moldorm, you have to start from Jump Street again. So if you hit him, mm-hmm. if you hit him two or three times... You it it doesn't register that when you get back up to them if if you fall, give them too much time to rest. Yeah, so that's just how the programming works. It just refreshes it. Right, he just like rested, which is cool actually. That makes sense. <laughs> and actually, um, if you backtrack one extra floor, you can hit the switch and go up, and then all the pots are enabled as well. Because like when you go up there, just intuitively. The, the switch is up so you can't get all the pots, but if it's down, you can get all the pots and get all the hearts. So you can get a quick quick uh, couple refreshes if he's hurting you. And I was, I was watching a dude do a speed run, and he actually got the moon pearl by bombing himself across that pitfall. Basically, you have to hit these stars, and the stars change the tile layout on the floor in this level, which is kind of like another type of puzzle so at some point you have to hit the stars right and then fall down a certain hole and that's how you get to the moon pearl chest because it's like isolated in its own little spot and it's separated by like pitfalls but you can actually bomb yourself across that pitfall yeah that's actually called a bomb jump and some of the fan hacks actually require bomb jumps to get through levels (laughs) 
Ooh, that's nasty. <laughs> yeah, it's like, there's one that's like chocked full of them. Parallel Worlds is a brutal Zelda hack. Actually, you have to hurt yourself and you're losing a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a double suck. Yeah. And if you mistime it and fall down, start over. <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Evil. Yeah, and then you just hit the tail of the Moldorm. I don't know. Then you got your third pennant. A half dozen or so times, yep, and it's time. It's time to go to the Lost Woods and hunt down the Master Sword. That's done right, too. It's like oh, the lead-up yeah. and all the little Snow White animals frolicking across. When you pick it up, the music combined with the like the pull-out and the whole, like, ching. <laughs> oh, it couldn't have been done better. Yeah, and then... Really? You know, story, then Zelda finally gets captured again. It's time for you to go to Hyrule Castle to uh, to rescue her. Again, the game is, like, telling you where to go. Yep. And then once you get to the Hyrule Castle, there's a spot at the very top of the castle. Um, so you kind of have to search around once you get back there. And there's like a little spot up on the second floor of the castle that basically you have to hit with the Master Sword to be able to open. It looks like a lightning electronic spirit type shield with a little face in the middle. It looks kind of cool. Yeah, once you hit it, you like dissipates it. Basically, like, Agnim's evil energy. Mm -hmm. And then from there, now it's like the true Hyrule Castle where a lot of the guys are like those ball and chain dudes. 
Yeah. Where now the enemies start to ramp up in difficulty now. Because those chain guys can really knock your ass good if, if you're not careful. Yeah, like my way for the chain dudes is I would charge and walk backward into them. <laughs> and they would like, for some reason I would hit them 100% of the time doing it that way. Interesting, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. <laughs> I generally just look for a pot somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> pot man. Toss it. <laughs> pot man. Cow's all about the pot. I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> well, yeah, speaking of that. <laughs> it's my bedtime. We are at the <laughs> juncture. Yeah, so then you go to the classic Aghanim fight. Um, I always called him Afghanin as a kid. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, his name looked crazy. Afghanin. Like, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's Aghanim. Um, it was funny as the classic is you don't have to use the Master Sword to deflect his magic. You can use the bug catching net. Oh yeah, you gotta mention that. That's classic. Yeah, so you can literally, with the bug catching net, reflect his stuff back at him. Which is like so weird. Like, I, I don't even know why they did that, because you have to have the Master Sword to get into there anyway. Yeah. So it's just strange. <laughs> the other the other classic, of course, is that um you can, uh, you, you know exactly when he's going to shoot lightning, because it's the only time he goes to the very top center of the screen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know he's going to do lightning. It's pretty simple, boss. They're bo- both forms, but... The, this one and the one later, but this one's, like, really easy. Yeah. It would have been cool, though, if they could have had, like, a Master of Swordless run. It still wouldn't have been hard, though. <laughs> That's the other thing. If you had your little scrappy sword, as long as you have enough hearts and stuff, and your your items, like your arrows and shit, you're good. Yeah. I mean, I, I did my own unique thing right after this point, which, after you beat Aghanim, he pulls you into the Dark World, and you're on the Pyramid of Power. Which mm-hmm. is excellent freaking scenery. Oh, yeah. And then the kid gloves are kind of off. I think you have a um, a diamond showing you where the first dungeon is. So they're still kind of leading you. And then after you beat the first one, it shows all the rest. But, like, what I would do is I would just go around and, at this point, not collect any of the crystals. So I would go into every dungeon and just get the items. Because the items are what's required to progress further. Oh, that's what we did that when we had that, that sleepover. Yeah. Once. It was really fun. So Hasrala tells you to get the maiden, and then the maiden tells you where the other maidens are. That's yep. where it is. Yep. That's how that works. Okay, storyline-wise. This is literally where the game opens up like tenfold. Yeah, so you can go in each of the, the dungeons. Once you get the hammer, basically, in the Eastern yeah. Palace, yeah. the world is your oyster... Um, except for, you know, you have to get the Titan's Mitt to lift up some things. What's funny is with the frog, though, someone has glitched that, and if you use the mirror, you can actually get into where that frog is, and then you can actually get the upgrade to the better sword earlier. It's weird as shit, though. The, the glitch, you have to, like, go back and forth with the mirror, like, 20 or 30 times. And just keep nudging it, and eventually you'll hit, like, a glitch zone. It's fucking hard, but... <laughs> once you get in there, you just jump off the ledge with the frog, and then you're just, like... Walk with him. Yeah, <laughs> it's done. Like, wow. But, yeah, so you can go, once you get the hammer, and then you can go in all the other places and get all the weapons, and... Yeah, we used to do... That was old school, man. 
<laughs> so yeah, the the first boss, um, Helmosaur King, used the hammer to or bombs to crack his um helmet, and then of course beats the shit out of him. He's at that point, he's a intimidating boss. He's gigantic. Abrino was like freaked out. He's like, oh my god. That's the other thing too. Most of the bosses like. The weapon that they give you, for the most part, except for the Titan's mid or something, or the Power Glove, most of the weapons you can use on the boss, and it's kind of like a given, like, you're supposed to use it on the boss, you know, like this one, the level after this too. Yeah, is the level, the level after this, is is that near the water? It's a Watergate dungeon, yeah, yeah, which is one of my favorites, so you have to go to the light world and pull a switch which empties the water in that world and then the water gets filled in the dark world so you can cross that beginning gap yeah and actually get into the main dungeon itself so that's cool too it's like a light world dark world dichotomy just show you a puzzle yeah how the the water is retained through the world and it's an opposite thing too yeah and I think that's the dungeon where you get the hook shot. That and the um, dashing boots are like the two best things in the game for me. <laughs> yeah, and the boss has all those little like cloud guys that surround him, and you gotta use the hook shot to pull him off, and then you kill them all, and then it's a big old eyeball, right? Yeah, and they're like little popcorn guys. Yeah, little popcorn and cloudies. Trying to think of other guys in there. Like, there's like little like water gel dudes that fly around. Little insect looking guys. Um, it's not too tough of a dungeon though. It's kind of straightforward, so that one shouldn't be a problem. Nope, <laughs> should be easy. Um, I think if we're going in order, the next dungeon you want to go to is the Lost Woods. Yes, and that's kind of like the second desert palace in a way. And it's kind of cool because there's a lot of entrances from the woods that go into little areas. Like, it's like a big open dungeon. Yeah, that one can get a little confusing only because there's places you can fall into the dungeon as well. If you lift up, like, bushes. And there's the wall master comes down constantly. Yes, this might be the first time there's a wall master. And he always, yeah, it is for sure. And he always comes down. The only other time there is, level three in Ganon's Tower, I think. <laughs> no! There he comes again. Such a pain in the ass, especially later on in Ganon's Tower. Yeah, it's, and the thing is, he keeps respawning too. And So, um, this one, you get the fire rod, you fight Mothula. And there's a part where you have to pull a statue back and pull it over a switch so that's the big puzzle in that one that opens up a certain door you have to go into yeah and you have to use the fire rod near the end there's like a little skull looking insect looking thing you gotta burn to open up that thing's awesome yeah Yeah. and that gets you into the main boss chamber yeah of the level mothula pain in the ass so, yeah, Mothula's kind of tough. Uh, I would suggest getting half magic before you go into the battle with her. Then, um, after that is in Dark World Kakariko, right? The Thieves' Hideout. 
Yeah, now we go to Blind World. Somewhere around here, you're already going to want to get the Orcarina, the flute as well. Yeah, so that's kind of like a mini side quest in a way. There's a million of those as as you're going, like getting the cane. You'll already have the ice rod by now, too, because you get that in the light world. You can get that, like, right near the beginning. Yeah, you can get that, like, right away. Yeah. Basically, before you go to the first level, I think, even. As long as you got bombs, you can get it. Right, got to bomb the cave. Um, but the Thieves' Hideout's the last dungeon before you get the mail upgrade. So you literally still take a ton of damage, but like everything gives out a shit ton. The cool thing about the fourth level, the big key is really easy to find. You basically go out and take a right and go down, and then take a left, and then just keep going in that direction. It almost like follows in a square. So you just go out, go to the right, go down, go to the left, and right there you'll see the big key. You'll pick it up, and then now now you can access the actual like main part of the level. So this this level's big in that there's a prior part before the main part that's actually pretty big. So if you don't find the big key right away, you're gonna be like jick jacking around, <laughs> jick jack, and like losing health. Um, the interesting thing is getting into the dungeon. It looks like a puzzle, because there's a pitchfork, like a gargoyle with a pitchfork in front of the entrance, but you just pull it. Yeah, you just pull on it, and it breaks the breaks the little pitchfork. So it's one of those funny things where, like, it looks like it takes more than than it does. Yeah. The, the other thing I like to have before, obviously, probably right near the beginning, like maybe after I get the hammer, is starting to get some of the, the bombos and the ether and the ones that i can get you can get the one over by death mountain that we talked about you can can get a couple of them i think once you get to the dark world you get the bomboses by the desert yeah to get quake you just throw like a a rock or a skull into the uh that circle of stones water the little fish guy comes out and gives you something to like leave him alone yeah, it's like, that's a funny one, and then getting a half magic, he, like, penalizes you by cutting your magic in half. He's like reverse man. Everything's, like, reversed. But it's because you're in the dark world, and you're from the <laughs> light world, it actually halves your consumption. That makes total sense. Got him. <laughs> Got him. Got him. Yeah, so this is the classic in level four where you meet the maiden before you fight the boss. Yes, and she follows you around. She's like, you saved me, and she follows you around, and then, obviously, the whole crazy twist. Now, this is where I got stuck the second time. For some reason, I couldn't figure out that you had to throw the bomb over the little ledge and bomb the um, floor, and then make the light shine down. That took me, like, forever. It was just one of those weird things, because... There was there's other parts in the floors that looks like you can bomb but you can't. Oh, interesting. Um, looking back, it's such an obvious thing, but man, that had me like stumped. It's hilarious. <laughs> well, and the the thing is, is that until you know it, you don't know it. So it's it's not easy if you don't know it. But now that you know, it, you never forget it. Well, I mean, kind of when you're looking at it too, it's like in this area, like in the middle of the screen. It's just kind of, like, obvious, but for some reason it just wasn't to me. I eventually figured that out, and then that's probably the hardest boss in the game, I'd say. 
blind. Yeah, I would say say blind is is tough because you don't if you don't do the go ahead to other dungeons and get the the items and you literally have to fight blind and take a shit ton of damage and when the heads start flying around it's it's tough man and this dungeon basically getting the item titan's mitt opens up the rest of the game yep then you can pretty much go anywhere at that point you can get every single heart piece if you want to yeah pretty much yeah exactly all the little pieces heart pieces pieces <laughs> Uh, so that you fight blind. What I usually do, I just stay at the top of the screen and just beat the shit out of them as fast as I can. And yeah, it's one of those scrappy fights, though. It's kind of like a war of attrition. It's just kind of like kill him before he kills you. War of attrition style, because his heads start popping off and they each fire shit at you. So it gets crazy. Yeah. If but if you have fairies and all the bottles, you're good. Absolutely. If you're trying to do it like super hardcore, you know, like a no death run. Like a no bottle, no no bottle run. There we go. No bottle run. Because you don't have to get them. Nope. Ooh, I like that. That that makes it a whole different game, though. A whole different game. Because you can't rely on the, like, well, I can die four times now. <laughs> this is after you get the Titan's Mint. Go into level five, get the mail and, and in the Ice Palace, and then go back and beat blind after you've upgraded your defense. At this point, now you, you go over to the Ice Palace, right? And you can't get in initially without warping from the light world. Because there's a stone. So that's where that's linear too. Which I think requires the Titan's Mint. Yeah. Yeah. So then, go through that one. That's a pain in the ass one with the enemies. Cause it, and if you don't have half magic... You're gonna be hurting in this palace because you there's some that you require using the fire rod to easily kill enemies. Little guys that come out of the wall and the ice pain in the ass. I'd recommend those um, penguins though. A lot of those penguins will leave like big, huge jars of magic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's once you learn those aspects, it's just like kill everything, and your magic will be full by the time you get to the the boss. I think there's a classic Super Mario, like the rings of fire that like go around the screen. It's something like that, but it does rotate around. Yeah, there's like little hazards. There's definitely spikes in there. This one, too, though, has a weird puzzle where if you go to level 6 and get the cane, you can solve the puzzle easier in level 5 because there's a switch that you have to drop a block from above. Yeah. So that one's, that's kind of tricky. There's also where you see the uh, Stalfos. The Stalfos actually wear, like, armor. So they're the classic skeletons. And you kill them with a bomb, though. So you have to, like, hit them with your sword, and they collapse in the bones, and then you use your bomb. Well, and technically, five and six are interchangeable. So that's the thing. So we used to, Jeff and I would go to six first. Absolutely. Because it's kind of a pain to get the block, because you have to... Okay, so level 5 also has that deal with the red and the uh, blue crystal, where it brings up the, the switches and brings them down to certain colors. Yeah. So you have to like get all that right as well. So yeah, it's kind of a pain. 
I know, I know the the Boston Five is cold stare. Where you gotta, yeah. He's in a block of ice, and you gotta melt it, which is a pain in the ass. And then you just fight him. It's not too hard. Yeah, it's funny because Arino didn't get the half upgrade in Game Center, so I believe it takes every single shred of your magic to kill his ice shield barrier. It's like every shred, though. I don't think you can do a jarless non half magic run. I don't think that's possible. Non half magic run. <laughs> jarless too though. Cause I think you need your magic jars, especially in Turtle Rock. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty easy boss though. Once you break the ice, there's just like three eye cloud things that fly around the screen. And then then you go to uh Misery Mire. Wizrobe time. Misery Mire time. And what's funny, the correlation is level 6, and then level 6 in the first Zelda is where you meet the Wizrobes for the first time as well. Amazing. I love level 6, though. You really feel like you're in a swamp. When you're in the actual dungeon, it's, like, damp, and, I don't know, you just get this, like, it's perfect. Yeah, it's definitely got a a murkiness to it. (laughs) Yeah, the murky feel. And that's when you get the, the cane, cane hotter of Samara. Yeah, there's the first part where there's a hole that you fall through, but it's just black. So normally when you fall through a black hole, you just get hurt, and then you they just put you back up top again. So it doesn't go anywhere. But there is one in this level where you actually have to fall down to proceed. Um, it's kind of obvious, though, because you pull a switch and it moves the whole wall. So you're kind of like, well, what happened new in this room? And then the only thing that happened new is there's a hole there now. So it's kind of obvious, but again, not if you're not realizing what that switch did, I guess. I th- I thought also, like, if you could fall down a hole and go down, I think if you throw a bomb at it, the bomb drops or something. There's some weird thing that the bomb did. It did a different animation if you could fall down it. Probably. That was always something weird with that. So then, what, the boss on this one's the eyeball boss, right? It's like the lightning guy. Yeah, the eyeball lightning man. Pretty much just uh, beat his ass with the sword. Yeah, hack away at him. And then he'll start to shoot the lightning, like, Agnim style. Um, once you kill everything but the eye in the middle, then he'll start jumping around, and you just hit him with the sword. He just walks right into it. Yeah, and by then you already have the tempered sword, so... And the the whiz robes are a lot easier in this game than the first Zelda. I want to I want to state that for sure. Much easier. Yeah, and there's also these little puzzles where the path will start to like disappear and crumble away. Yeah, it's like a timing aspect. So the way to do that, just use your hook shot, and you can like hook onto like a brick or whatever, and then you're automatically like on the platform before it starts to crumble. Yeah. So that's another tip for that part. There's also, like, we didn't mention it, like, there's also a, quite a few spots where you have to wait for all the tiles that flip up in the air to open up a door. So annoying. Yeah. Uh-huh. I hate that puzzle. It's a lot. That is annoying shit, though. So he's gonna wait until... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it makes a little, like, symmetrical design in the floor, like a skull or something. Exactly. Yeah. I always know after um after fighting this boss before I go to Turtle Rock, I always get the last amount of heart pieces I need. If 
I if I don't already have the invisibility cape, I go pick that up. If I don't have the extra cane already, I pick that up. The uh, super bomb where you go over to the pyramid of power. There's a big giant crack that normal bombs don't break, and you go in there, and the fat fairy's in there. <laughs> How much is a super bomb? Like a hundred rupees, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the fat fairy. So she gives you silver arrows, gold sword. Does she do anything else? Like with jars or anything? I never tried it. Maybe she, they, she does jars. Um, I don't think there's anything else she upgrades either. With the um, with the super bomb though, when it's following you, you got to make sure you don't like jump off of a ledge because it'll detonate. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that. Yeah, that's that's the classic. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. Fuck. Accidentally place it. <laughs> yeah, so you press a button to detonate it, kind of thing. And you gotta repay the money again. Yeah, that's classic, though. Oh yeah, and what was always funny the the dealer of the super bomb. You know how like when you activate your your menu and you press start and sl- and start again, it does the boom 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 boom. He's like sneezing. Little menu sneeze child. That's his like sneeze sound. It's the menu going up and down. I had to throw that in there. Bow bow. Yeah, like what? The- <laughs> I was like, where have I heard that? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's the menu noise. <laughs> Reusing shit, Sub-Zero Scorpion style. So now, okay, Turtle Rock world. But yeah, so going into Turtle Rock is classic because you got to use one of the um, the medallions. So if you don't have the medallion, you can't get in Turtle Rock. So Got like a lightning thing on it, right? Yeah, you got to use the ether to get into Turtle Rock, and then it just transforms the head into the stairs you go in. Yeah, that's like some Mode 7 shit, ain't it? I um, think so. Maybe. It's like fades into it. I don't know what that would be. <laughs> now, this level is really unique. Yeah. Cause it's not like any other other levels. This is kind of like the fire level, too, I guess you could say. Yeah. Because there's like pits of like magma, liquid hot magma. Magma. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of platforms. You have to use the, the cane of, uh, what, Samaria? The, the one you got in level six. <laughs> The one that creates blocks, and when you put, hit it on the question mark, it turns into a platform that you can ride around. So that's how you can get your magic drained. Yeah? That half magic thing is so fucking crucial. Well, because when you get to this end boss, because you get the mirror shield in this one, but when you get to the end boss, it's the trinex that requires fire and ice to beat the two of the necks. Yeah, so you, are, you have to have a good supply ready. Before you get to the boss as well. And you have to go through the whole, you know, ordeal of getting to the boss. There's a lot of, like, weird little puzzles with the platforms. Because a lot of it's, like, in the dark, too. Mm-hmm. There's one room near the middle or the end that's, like, super dark. And you just have to, like, memorize it. But, <laughs> but once you got it, you got it, you know? That's the other thing. You got it. <laughs> you got this, man. Man. What else they got in that level? Like these um, rolling like spike pins. Oh yeah. Um, the eyeballs. Oh, my God, they're like the laser eyeball guys. Fucking pain in the ass. Yeah, I don't think that's the first time they're there, but that's the first time that you have to deal with them while you're doing a puzzle. And they're like a pain. Like they're everywhere. There's that one part after you get the mirror shield. I think it's like a whole corridor you have to like run through. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, man, that's a that's classic though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what else comes to mind with Toidle Rock. Toying it up. Toidles. I think that's about it. The mirror shield's a beautiful thing. Oh yeah. Just like covers your whole body. <laughs> it's like Huge. lost in the in the reflection. 
<laughs> yeah, and so finally get your final maiden and go right right next door to the to the Tower of Power. And the final maiden is Zelda. Gotta mention that. So now you got your girl, gold sword, you got your fucking mirror shield, you're like pimped out now, man. It's time. And then you go into the uh, the final castle, get the final mail in there. Yeah, all the crystals combine and open up the passage for Ganon's fun house. <laughs> Ganon's fun house. <laughs> but yeah, this is really reminiscent of going through like Hyrule Castle. Yeah, it's cool. There's like Ganon statues holding the Triforce. It was like not not hard. That was like really an easy tower for me for some reason. Well, the thing is, the only thing that's annoying is the wall masters. Yeah. So if you get nabbed, then they take you to the beginning. You only you have to fight the three bosses from the light world, so that's not hard. No, especially when you're powered up. Yeah. At this point, it's just like destruction because they're not more difficult either. It's the same sprite, the same properties. Yeah. So it's, it's it's literally a joke at this point. Yeah, and then you, once you get the red mail, then you're super tough. The purple the purple hat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the only thing in the in the dungeon, right? Yeah, the red mail. Yeah, and then you get to Aghanim round two, where you fight three Aghanims, but like the um, the shadow is darker for the real ones. So you can you like never miss him. You know what he is. It's like obvious, and there's a secret right before you get to him. At the end of that hallway, with like the little cannons that shoot, yeah, dash into the wall, and you'll that'll force you to jump backwards, and then you can bomb the wall. And there's like some secret treats in there too. So there's just little like secrets that later hacks would would use, where you have to like dash to bounce yourself off things because it's like a jump basically. Yeah, you can make yourself jump in the game. <laughs> So it's like having the feather. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's just a little trick in there. The part that I remember most, you have to keep going into these portals. Yeah. You just kind of like keep going in, in the direction that you think you should be going. Eventually, you'll you'll get out. Um, there's a few rooms that like crumble, do the time crumble thing. Nothing too bad. Like you said, it's not like anything fucking crazy. No. Like the first Zelda, the that was a good. Ninth Labyrinth, in my opinion. Because it's freaking huge. <laughs> and whiz robes everywhere. Aghanim round three to me was a letdown. Easy. Pretty much the bosses all the way from Cold Stare on are like pushovers. Yeah, and then of course after you beat Aghanim, Ganon's aura comes out of him and crashes through the top of the Pyramid of Power. Ah, yes. Opening the final battle. Final battle. Which is awesome. Yeah, man. That battle's fun, and you gotta use all your aspects, and if you don't get the fat fairy, you gotta go get her, because you have to have the silver arrows to beat him. Classic style. Well, that <laughs> pain in Ganon's ass. Yeah. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> Good old Link. Underestimating <laughs> him. Causing Ganon trouble. Yeah, the, the hard thing is... Yeah, keep lighting those lanterns, and then once it's lit, yeah. then you can attack Ganon, and he'll turn silver. That's actually the second phase of the fight. The first mm-hmm. phase, he just does like the circle with the bats. Yeah, and then he and then he jumps and gets rid of all the surrounding bricks. So there's like pits around you. Oh yeah, and that's another good point. So if you fall, 
it takes you down into another like layer of the pyramid, and there I think there's like a telepathic tile. It's just funny how the tiles are just like there. It's just <laughs> funny. <laughs> it's like okay, it's like you suck, Link. <laughs> yeah, let me help you now. <laughs> so yeah, he's actually pretty easy though. Once you got it, you know, and you got enough hearts, you got the red mail and all that shit. Well, yeah, the the first time you go through it and you don't know what to do. He's a little bit tough, but then after that, you I mean, once you know him, you know him. Once you got the lanterns lit, and you hit him, and you turn silver, just pop him with the arrow a few times, and it's fucking toast, man. Exactly, and then it's the really long ending where you get to see resolution for all the characters in the game. Everybody lives. And <laughs> I think it's my favorite ending ever. Yeah, it's, it's a classic. Then the final credits, like that song, is just like, ugh, azure. And, of course, at the end, it's the thing that we always used to loathe playing it for the first time, and it's how many times you died in every dungeon. <laughs> yeah, we do got to mention that. That's awesome. The LCD master wants all zeros. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't take into consideration if you had a fairy. That doesn't count. That doesn't count. You die. like Yeah, if you were brought back by a fairy, it doesn't matter. It's still a death. If Link's head hit the ground, where, 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 that's what. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it's really cool how they do that because you can like, better yourself. It gives it replayability. No, I don't think there's a second quest, though. <laughs> no. That'd be crazy. Th- there is, and we'll, we'll talk about it here. The second quest is was essentially the broadcast satellite version of it, which the Satellaview was released only in Japan. The broadcast satellite had a radio drama with it, and it takes place right after Link to the Past. You can play as either a boy or a girl, which you choose with the broadcast satellite, but it's in the exact world of Link to the Past. There's new, uh, there's new little quests that you do going through the game. Um, and, like, there's even a spot where, like, Zelda's, like, getting attacked by monsters and you gotta go save her and shit on, on the overworld. <laughs> like, crazy stuff, man. I think the games were only available for a certain amount of hours, right? Yep. That was the thing that I, I always thought was a mistake, just for the longevity of the game. So, like, fortunately, people were able to get the, um, because if you, during that time frame, you could download it to your writable cartridge for the Satellaview. And people were able to keep the code, modify the code. People have hacked it to where you can play as Link. They've uh, made it also where you can play it with the radio drama, and people have re-recorded it all in English. Nuts. So you could listen to everything. And there's, like, spots where, like, during this minute or two-minute time, your power, you're, you're powered up or you're powered down. It's it's a really cool thing. There's four days which allow you to play the entire game. And you have a certain amount of time to do it, which is cool for, for those who um know everything, you know, it's it's a perfect little game to play. The other thing is in the main Legend of Zelda game, the original game, did you ever get to the Chris Houlihan room? Oh, yeah, I gotta mention that too. So Chris Chris Houlihan was a Nintendo Power Contest winner way before during the NES era and it said you can you can appear in the next Legend of Zelda game. And basically, it's a single room that contains 45 blue rupees and a note bearing a greeting from Chris Houlihan. There's five different me- methods and is basically intended as a crash prevention measure. So it sends you to the game if you couldn't determine where Link was going to another area. 
The message reads, My name is Chris Houlihan. This is my top secret room. Keep it between us, okay? Um, one of them was is that you have to, like, go from one spot to another in, like, a certain amount of time. And it'll actually, you'll fall down a hole and find him. It's crazy, because you have to move so fast that the game isn't tracking where your player is anymore. Um, another, another thing you, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, basically, uh, in Nintendo Power, you're talking about the comic book? Ah, yes. It was, it was January through December of 1992, so if you have the whole 1992 series, you'll have the entire comic. Yeah, it's really good. It's just so classic. Um, and it was re-released as a trade paperback. Yeah, that's, I, I need to get that, actually. Yeah, me too, I don't have it. Um, it was re-released in '93 as a trade paperback as well, which is which is interesting. So, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy takes place technically right from Link to the Past, um, traveling abroad and you shipwreck. So that's kind of a sequel. The um, Satella View is another one, and then obviously is re-released as Link to the Past and Four Swords. There is a really cool thing that you literally um, can unlock a special dungeon if you complete the Four Swords that has, like, upgraded bosses from Link to the Past in it. Mm, that's badass. Like harder versions of all the bosses. Ooh, very interesting. All of them, wow. It's boss rush. Yeah, so they're, like, all in there, and you you actually get to use the Four Sword, which is more powerful, to fight them, too. But it's literally ridiculously hard. Um, and then, of course... The spiritual sequel to Link to the Past is A Link Between Worlds for the 3DS, which is like a modern reimagining of Link to the Past with new game mechanics, and it's it's amazing. It's like one of my top Zelda games of all time. It's right there with, with Link to the Past. There it is, man. Yeah, man. Recommendations for the peeps. Exactly. Uh, spreading the word of the future generations. <laughs> Love it. That's what it is, man. Well, exactly. You got to spread the filth all over the place. And it's it's interesting because, you know, Link to the Past has always been my favorite game of all time. But um, now when you mention it, everybody has to mention how good Breath of the Wild is. It's like any time we mention about playing the new AVS on HDTV, everybody mentions just get a Raspberry Pi. <laughs> like just just get that Raspberry Pi hacking thing. Um, but yeah, so it's like if you mention Zelda now, people have to mention Breath of the Wild because it's such a good game. Yeah, it's taken its place very quickly. I might add. Yeah. And the echelons of Hyrule. I've noticed too with retro gamers that pe- some people choose Link to the Past, some people choose the original Legend of Zelda as their favorite, and it's basically because there's a little more handholding or linearity in Link to the Past. But I like it as the story aspect. Yeah, as we mentioned in the the Zelda one, they're each have their own strengths in different ways. Yeah. So Zelda one, you have to figure out more. Um, use your imagination a little more. And Zelda three, you get more engrossed in what's going on with the characters. So they each have their strengths. Yeah. They're each better for it. I think they're tied for me. I mean, it's hard for me to choose. Yeah. I mean, it's exactly it. Like it's it's tough, and there's really no reason not to just have them be a tie. I mean, that's the thing. If Breath of the Wild 
stays where it's at currently, it would be tied in there as well for me because it's ridiculous. Just stack it up. Yeah, I'm sure if I played it through, I'd be saying the same exact thing. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, once you play it, you it's like freaking Jace potato chips. One, you, you can't stop eating them. Can't stop playing. Like you literally like I I played it until like I played her into the ground and I literally to finish my newest book I had to stop playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. So I would play it every day and instead of picking it up and playing it for like fifteen minutes, it was like five hours. <laughs> it's like Happy Console Gamer was saying they got to a point where he didn't think he could he had the skill to like beat it. He was like it was so fucking hard I wanted to like throw the controller into the fucking wall. That's actually it is like the um <laughs> you have this like learning with the new game where you're running from the freaking Lionels because they murder your ass or the uh guardians that chase you around with the lasers like they go and shoot you which are actually like those guys in the dungeons linked to the past that circle and shoot the lasers by the way same guy that's cool <laughs> um that's what people say oh it's a new old guy no no it was in link to the past but um like you run from those guys but like as you learn things it's like oh yeah if i time a shield parry at the right time they die in one hit mm. <laughs> and that's the thing people don't even talk about like they're like oh i run around it and hack off all of his legs and then i take him out and beat him up it's like no if you just use the shield parry one time they die <laughs> yeah yeah it's like that's the same thing with the lionels is like like literally if you You'd use the parry and the dodge, you just beat the shit out of them. And you can actually jump on their back like a horse and they get pissed. And <laughs> and, and right before they buck you off, you can jump off and glide down. And as you glide down, you can do a downward thrust and knock his ass down. See, yeah, we're going to have to do a follow-up episode. Mastery, man. And I and that's the thing, I'm probably halfway through the shrines. Like, I had to stop because I wanted to finish my, my latest book because it was, I was, not working on it as much as I should, and I like to get my shit done. Oh yeah, it bothers me too, man. Like I'm OCD, and it's, when it's not done, it bothers me. So yeah, stacked up in a corner. The backers would probably be okay with it, but I'm not okay with it. <laughs> so it's like Zelda had to wait, and as soon as I play it again, it's going to be on though. It's going to be ridiculous. Oh yeah, so a grade for Link to the Past. We already gave our grade in the beginning, but. <laughs> An A plus, man. There it is, just for the record. Ain't going anywhere. So yeah, um, final thoughts. So my final thoughts are that um, I definitely recommend checking out some of the expansive fan hacks. Um, for somebody like Kyle, I would recommend. There's a new one that came out. It's called Hillian Legacy. And it's literally the exact same overworld, but when you go to the dungeons, they're complex. They're all new dungeon layouts, and they're, like, really long. So it just gives you extra meat in the puzzle-based aspects. And then some of the other easy ones, like the to get the ice rod, that's gone. There's a dungeon there now. <laughs> oh, cool. So there's some cool stuff. Yeah, you got to earn it. Parallel Worlds Remodel. The remodel version, that's a really good one because it plays just like Link to the Past with the remodeled difficulty lowered. Um, the original one's fucking brutal. You gotta use safe states. It's like, that's where there's bomb jumping and shit. Um, 
And then there's another one, Goddess of Wisdom. It's heavy puzzle based. Like I'm talking about a statue puzzle where you have to walk like ten minutes around in a circle and push it one pixel and then walk all the way back around ten minutes in a circle and push it another pixel. <laughs> evil, evil intent. They're trolling you at that point. But all of those games are cool because it's like a brand new treats. There's also something else called, and I'm not sure how to get it to work on a real cartridge, but randomization. There's one for original Legend of Zelda and for Link to the Past where it literally like randomizes something. Oh, yeah, that pro Jared was playing it. The first Zelda. Oh my god, it turns into like a nightmare though. Yeah. It's like fucking crazy because you don't know. If you don't have the certain item, you can't proceed, and you don't know where the fuck it is. So, like, anything can be changed. It, like, so, for example, if you get the letter in the first Zelda, that letter could be, like, a candle. Does it randomize it every time, or do you have to run it through that program and then save it, and that's the randomized ROM, and you have to run it through that program on the computer every time? I thought that's what you had to do. Yeah, so it's, like, infinite. So you could do it in, like, any way. You just have a million ROMs, and no ROM, no two ROMs would be the same. It's kind of like insanity, though. It's like any item drop can be any other item. Like the raft can be the the wand, the book can be the bow. So now you don't, you can't go like the same route. And I think that like it's not always beatable because of that. No, it's not. Right. Which, that's kind of lame. That's that's where I like the fan hacks, because they literally, some of them, they took five years to make them, and it's, like, they put a lot of work into them. Amazing work. Here's the thing. If the raft in Zelda 1 takes the place of the red ring in the, you know, the last level, you can never beat it. Now, you can't get across to level 4. Yeah. So, that's a, just an example of, like, how it's not beatable. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that could go into level 9 that you'd be screwed. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> you get screwed, because that has two items in it with the silver arrows. So I think um, the, for Link to the Past, Hillian Legacy does change around where some of the items are, so it does change around the order you'll have to beat stuff in. That's cool, though. I mean, people are probably going to want like a new quest anyway, for the most part. Yeah, that's one I don't have a... Because I have every Zelda game physical. I have every... I have all the main the hacks or the Legend of Zelda fan hacks that I we mentioned, except for Hillian Legacy because it's new. I don't have it on cartridge. I even have Parallel Worlds and the remodel on cartridge. I've gotten really fucking far in the original Parallel Worlds on the cartridge. Got to the tower, which means I went through all that hell of playing the game. And the tower is like 30, 40 fucking levels high. You fall once on the 40th level, you fall the way down to level 1. Brutal. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking ridiculous. I love it. <laughs> Masochist time. That's cool. You've you, it's like your main thing, the Zelda. So you're, you you mastered the whole like timeline of what games on what. Yeah, you're like the ultimate brain to pick for the Zelda stuff. That's what's cool. It's it's rad. And the thing is, is I even have both versions of Breath of the Wild, Wii U and <laughs> Switch. Like, yeah, you still got them both. Gotta yeah. I haven't played it on the Wii U yet, but it's the exact same game. I think it's just different graphical aspects. But I like the the Switch, the fact that I can just like lay around wherever on the couch and just play it whenever. It's cool. I like that. But like with Link to the Past, like having it on the Game Boy Advance was awesome. I was I remember Link to the Past 
um, after college, I was putting up pools before I moved and started doing Spring Lake Apartments and management. But I was putting up pools. Josh Pennyoglis. Ah, yes. And um, I was sitting there, lunch breaks, playing fucking Link to the Past on the Game Boy Advance. Chilling there with my lunch, playing Zelda Link to the Past. It's awesome. That's a beautiful thing. If anyone hasn't played it, go out and fucking play it right now. And the other thing is, Super Famicom, I just want to mention the it's generally a lot cheaper. Probably get like 10 to 15 bucks on a lowball, maybe less. Uh, the only problem is you don't get the story because it's all in Japanese. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you've beaten it 100 times, then okay. But if you can track down the North American cartridge, I'd definitely say it's worth it's worth the salt. It's worth the cash you're going to pay. It's just a must-have game. It's a fucking masterpiece. It deserves to be loved, and it will be for forevermore. <laughs> evermore. Thank you for listening to VGBS. We appreciate everybody taking the time to get through this whole uh, arduous podcast. We love it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you want to correspond with us, you can email us at bgbspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a phone number. It is 262264BGBS. You can leave us a voicemail, shoot us a text message, um, whatever you want to do, correspond. Also, comment on us, shoot us a message on Facebook, Twitter, Google+. We love hearing what people um, think about the podcast. All right, see you later. Woo! Later!